Welcome, everyone, to an edition of Governed by God, a biblical look at law, civics, and government. My name is Eric Lupold. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. So what I want to do today is spend our time looking at some recent um, comments given at uh, this month's school board meeting in April and last month's uh, Central Box school board meeting. And uh, I had been wanting to address these comments uh, for a little bit now, especially the, the ones from last month. and uh, But I think we could probably knock out some of the comments from both meetings today. So uh, we'll go ahead and take a look at some of that regarding uh, LGBTQ plus um, topics. But before we go into that, I want to look at a passage of the day. Should be somewhat relevant, a little obscure passage. And uh, I'm going to try to do some more episodes on this topic in the future, but the passage is from Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? You will see still greater abominations than these. So what is that all about? Well, in the book of Ezekiel, in this particular passage, chapter 8, the angel is showing Ezekiel some of the abominations that are taking place in the temple of Jerusalem, among the people of God, and what they're doing in their worship. Now, Israel, all throughout its history, had a problem with syncretism, and that is associating the pagan worship with the worship of the one true God. And the Israelites often adopted the worship of false gods um, from the nations around them, the Canaanites, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and they adopted those practices. You could read about how King Solomon did some of this, other kings of Israel, and all these practices got mixed in with the worship of Yahweh, of the God of Israel. And in this particular set of passages, the angel is showing Ezekiel all the ways in which God's people are falsely worshiping him. One of those ways is in this verse, where he shows Ezekiel the entrance to the north gate, and there are women sitting there weeping for a god called Tammuz. Now, this is one of the only places in the Old Testament that Tammuz is mentioned. So in the mythologies of the people in the ancient Near East, one of the mythologies involves a goddess named Ishtar or Asherah, and she's also known as the Queen of Heaven, and Tammuz, who is um, someone that she approached in order to, well, let's just say, become intimate with. In the mythology, in the mythology, Asherah wants to have Tammuz, wants to be with him, and he rejects her. But in her rage against him, because he rejected her, she kills him. Okay, but after she kills him, she is remorseful of killing him, and so uh, she sends some of her acolytes, some of her worshippers, to rescue him from the realm of the dead and to bring him back. Now, this is related to the harvest and the, 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 the fall rains, 
that would help bring about growth and harvest. Um, so in in Israel at the time, uh, during the period of basically heat and drought, when things are dying, that is where the mythology would say Tammuz is dead, and Tammuz is the one who brings the the rain and the harvest, the crops. And so during this season, the women mourn. They publicly mourn for Tammuz's death, that, he, that he's dead. And uh, in doing so, they're, they're seeking to essentially bring him back so that the rains would come in the land and they would eventually get a good, uh, pretty good harvest. Now, there's more detail I want to go into on this. And there's a, it would take a long time to cover every single aspect. But one thing to keep in mind is that Asherah, the queen of heaven, is considered to be a transgendered goddess or an androgynous goddess. So she is typically presents as a woman, but in the mythology, she's actually both. She's a man and a woman, and she can switch genders. And one of her powers is to change a man into a woman and a woman into a man. And her worshipers would often cross-dress. Um, men would dress as women and would often emasculate themselves to become more like women. And their women would dress as men and act accordingly. And some people would dress in such a way that one half of their body was covered in women's clothing and one half of their body was covered in men's clothing. Now, there's much more we could say about that. There's, there's illicit, wicked sexual practices that go on in these worship services for the Queen of Heaven, for Asherah, and for Tammuz. But the weeping of for Tammuz, the weeping for Tammuz, took place during the month of Tammuz, according to the lunar calendar. The Hebrew calendar is a lunar calendar, not a solar calendar like ours. And that month typically falls into the month of June. So it is interesting that this month of June is the month where Asherah is worshipped, Tammuz is mourned, and the practice of cross-dressing, uh, transitioning, and immoral sexual behavior is promoted, celebrated, and on display. So it's not just that these women at the North Gate are weeping and just being sad. There's much more going on than just mourning for Tammuz. When you mourn for Tammuz, in the mythology and the and the pagan practice of worshiping Asherah, there's more to it that goes on. Very wicked things that go on. Self-mutilation and illicit sexual practices. Now, that is our passage of the day. And I do want to, in the future, go over this topic and look at what the Bible has to say about these worship practices and why God was so against them and how they apply today, how they're still happening today. So that is going to relate to what we talk about regarding the LGBTQ movement. But now I want to just spend the rest of our time listening to some of the comments. I, I, I did not attend uh, the meeting from last month or the month of April at the Central Buck School District, but I, they're all recorded. So I got a chance to listen through them carefully. And just a few comments stood out um, that helps to reveal the mindset of some of the folks that are on the side of the LGBTQ community. The first clip I want to play is of an elderly man who's going to speak um, against the school board's policy of neutrality and of trying to vet books. And here's what he has to say about transgenders. 
It is a human biological fact. People don't choose to be LGBTQ. In a society so intolerant of anyone outside the norm, who would make that choice? Sexual orientation, including homosexuality and bisexuality, is the result of a combination of environmental, emotional, hormonal, and biological factors. Many, th many things contribute to a person's sexual orientation. So I want to stop there for a little bit and just let's think about what he is saying there. Essentially, that a person really has no choice, no decision in the matter regarding their sexuality, bisexual, transgender, lesbian, gay, whatever. And he attributes all of the uh, causes to environmental, biological, and chemical, and genetic. Now, why is that important for us, especially as Christians, to keep in mind? Well, essentially, this is a, this is a materialistic worldview. It's a Darwinian worldview. It is a worldview in which humans are not really responsible for any of their behavior because he is simply saying we are determined. And this is, all falls under the category of what's called determinism in philosophy. Determinism is the idea that your actions are determined and you really don't have any control over them. It's just all these variables go into you doing what you do and you don't really play a part in it except you're, you're really just passive. You are really simply responding to stimuli that you have received, whether it's through upbringing, environment, biology, chemistry, diet, whatever the case may be. Now, what ends up happening with this is that it ends up excusing behavior. And it's a more fancy way of simply shirking responsibility and shifting blame. It's, it's really no different at its core than what Adam and Eve did in the garden when they blamed everyone else but themselves and didn't take responsibility. This is just a more advanced version of it where you can simply chalk up your actions to a form of determinism. And if that's the case, then there's really no reason to discipline or to punish or to make anything illegal or to make some kind of policy because the person has no choice in the matter. And so it leads to lawlessness. It leads to uh, there are no such things as crimes anymore. It's all determined. And so I honestly am not sure if you take this to its logical conclusion how you can have a functioning society since you could argue that people who are thieves or rapists or murderers, the same thing applies to them. It's really not their choice. They are simply acting on determining factors with that. So that is one of the clips that I wanted to play. And I have another one here. Let's bring that up now. There's a place for nuance and consideration in our schools, but the desire to reconcile all elements of society mustn't take priority over the truth. This applies to a person's identity as well, and individuals and only individuals determine the truth of their identity. Even if LGBT rights are controversial within society, our schools should teach and act upon the truth that individuals define who they are. Disseminating this truth, not maintaining neutrality, protects our liberty and right to be who we wish to be. Okay. So in that short clip, that was uh, about 30 minutes or 45 minutes later on in the meeting, that individual who also uh, identifies with that community, 
basically pointed out that individuals determine their own identity, who they are and who they are not. So that's why he would argue that there can be no neutrality in the classroom. And it's interesting when you look at this compared to the other comment that was made earlier. So now the one individual says that your LGBTQ qualities are determined by environmental, biological, emotional, and chemical factors. But this individual just said that individuals determine their identity, who they are, and who they are not. And what we see here is a contradiction. And this is why it is very difficult to engage in reasonable discussions with individuals who are advocating for the LGBTQ community because they don't all have the same view on these things. Sometimes they say, well, it's not the person's fault. They have no choice. But then other times they say, well, the person is autonomous. To be truly free, to be truly authentic, to be truly autonomous, a person must be able to determine their identity, who they are and who they are not. Well, how does that? How do those things square together? And they don't. Um, if you are really determined by forces and factors external to you, outside of you, then you are not really determining anything. You are simply a passive recipient of all this external stimuli that causes you to act the way you act. But then to say that individuals determine and are exercising some kind of freedom or autonomy on their own lives and identity, well, that doesn't mesh. And that's the point. They will give different arguments based on how they view things. One argument is used to escape responsibility, and the other argument is used to take responsibility and to have authority. But you can't have it both ways. From a logical perspective, you cannot have it both ways. And so we just have to, as we're going about talking to these individuals, we need to see what their what their argument is and address that particular argument, but also try to point out the inconsistency and the inability for these arguments to be to, to be reconciled. That there's a contradiction here. Alright, so those comments are from the month of March. Now I want to bring up a comment from the month of April. This was just a few days ago. This is also from a person who identifies as trans. Let me bring that up here. How many people today, here today, know a transgender person? Most of you know me at this point, but I mean really know a transgender person. Do you love a transgender person? Do you have a transgender sibling or a parent or uncle or cousin? Do you work with a transgender person? Transgender people make up about 2% of the population. Out of 100 people you know, maybe two of them are transgender. So why do those in power spend so much time and energy targeting us? Why do they restrict transgender people from participating in sports, or accessing medical care, or walking down the street? Why do they listen to a handful of cisgender transphobes, rather than the people who know most about transgender people, also known as actual transgender people? I don't care if you've read up on all the statistics of transgender people, on how often we die, how often we get sick, how often we are murdered, how often we do drugs, how often we drop out of school. I don't care about the numbers you want to use against me. I know what it is like to be transgender. I live it every single day. I want to pause there because we'll, we'll continue here shortly. But to address some of the points 
that are brought up. So the first is, you know, do you know a transgender person? And there's an, there's an appeal to wanting to know someone and the idea that you you cannot really say anything or you don't really understand unless you know the person. But at the same time, uh, this individual brings up that, well, no matter how many books you've read, the only person that really knows is a transgendered person. So there is, again, another kind of contradiction there of the, on the one hand, it is the call to get to know someone, calling those who are outside to know those who are transgendered, but at the same time to also say, well, no one can really know unless one is transgendered. So there's a play on on Gnosticism there where um, the idea that uh, one group has kind of a special knowledge that gives them an authority to speak that others cannot ever have because they're not part of that that group. They're not in that society and therefore don't have that knowledge. Now, this person also brings up the fact that uh, transgender people make up 2% of the population. So why are those in authority targeting them? Now, we have to challenge the loaded language of targeting or oppressing or you know doing things against them. Why not just let them have the medical care that they need or let them play on the sports teams that they want to play on? Well, there are many reasons for that, um, one of which being the biological differences between men and women. So what we have here is the individual is just pleading that there's such a small population percentage, it shouldn't be too much of a big deal to give them what they want, okay? Well, the problem is, is that a society has to have order and structure and that you don't accommodate society to a fringe minority when they're going to start overturning foundational norms, such as the concept of two genders or different bathrooms or different sports teams for men and women. You don't overturn those essential foundational um, aspects of society for a small percentage of the population. And in fact, you want to help that small percentage of the population, but giving them what they want when they're living in deception They've deceived themselves when they're living in such deception um, from a spiritual perspective. We, we can't accommodate that. You cannot accommodate the lies that they are adopting and that they are seeking to live, and they want us to adopt it with them. Let's continue. You will never be able to do enough research to walk a mile in my shoes. So why do those in power ignore my voice and instead let ignorance whisper into their ears? Again, same idea. You cannot do enough research. So on the one hand, those who are in authority are expected to do research, uh, but it really doesn't really matter because um, they will never know experientially what it's like to be trans, and this is a special knowledge that only those who are trans have, and this knowledge gives them power. The argument is that they should have the decision-making power. Basically, those who are not trans should listen to those who are trans because those who are trans have the special knowledge by which to make the best decisions. And those who are not trans, they need to learn, but they really can't. So all they really should do is just listen. Being transgender is not a bad thing. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I love my transgender siblings across the country. 
We are people who have examined ourselves and decide to create something new. The word transgender is just another descriptor. It's just another brushstroke that creates the masterpiece of a person. Now, listen to that very carefully. That is such religious and spiritual language. They examine themselves and create something new. And in this movement, what we have going on here are individuals that are made in the image of God, but they are in rebellion against God. Whether they would call it that or not, they are. And they are seeking to recreate themselves in their own image. And it's strangely a false kind of gospel, okay? Because in the true gospel, those who are in Christ, they die to their sins and they are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they walk in newness of life as Christians. But in this false gospel, they die in the sense that they kill the old self, the old name, whatever identity they were assigned at birth, and they give themselves a new name, and they give themselves a new body, and they recreate themselves into a beautiful masterpiece. Whereas in the Christian life, it is God who is building up his church into a beautiful structure, and Christ, by the word, is washing his bride with the word so that she will be spotless and blameless, a beautiful masterpiece. And we are being made in the image of Christ as Christians. But what this person is presenting is an alternative gospel where they save themselves and they make themselves in their own image and into a beautiful masterpiece. I am thoughtful. I am creative. I am shy. I am transgender. I'm a student, a son, a brother, a poet, a photographer, an activist, a lover of dad jokes, a transgender person. It is just one multitude of myself. So when you see people like me, do not perceive them as monsters. We are just as human as everyone else. Now, yes, you are human, 100% human. But what does it mean to be human? And that's important for us to keep in mind when we're having these discussions because from a Darwinian perspective, from an evolutionary perspective, being human, there's nothing really special about that. And it's just really a function of chemical reactions. You're, you're ugly bags of mostly water. You're just chemicals fizzing. You're just more advanced, you know, ape-like creature. There's nothing beautiful about that, nothing special about that. There's no purpose in that or design. So to be human, we have to define our terms. And it's God who decides what it means to be human, to be an image bearer of God. And what this person is doing is rebelling against the image of God and destroying it, trying to destroy it and remake it um, into another image, a self-made image. Now, this person is clearly, you know, really highlighting the identity here. It is said, well, I am this, I am this, I am this, I am transgendered. But what's interesting is that it's not just one identity among many. We all have various identities. I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a teacher, or I do this, I do that. What We all have multiple identities, numerous identities, but they're all subsumed as Christians. They are under the ultimate identity as Christian, as a disciple of Christ, a believer, a child of God. And this person might be saying and listing transgender as just another identity, but it is the centerpiece. It is the ultimate identity because we just heard this person say that they are 
creating something new and that it's a masterpiece. But what makes it a masterpiece is the transgender part, not any other part. We laugh, we cry, we mourn, we rejoice. I will never fully understand why some people in power spend their time creating ways to humiliate and eradicate transgender people. I hope that one day someone like me will open their eyes to the hurt they are causing. All we ask is to be shown the same respect as our cisgender peers. Let us play in sports, go to work, fall in love, and live our truth. This is my message to those in power and those with a voice. If you truly see transgender people as people, you will not target them for your gender identity. You will not dedicate your time creating policies that hurt the most vulnerable people. You will use their correct names and pronouns. If you do not know a transgender person in your life, you are missing out. We are beautiful. We are human. I hope you are too. Thank you. Okay, so some repetition there, but you will use the pronouns. You need to acknowledge the person's gender identity. You need to acknowledge it. They have created themselves in their own images, so you need to honor that. And to go against that is hurtful and unloving. That is the that is the idea here. And again, they're people. They're human. Yes, that's true. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be a person? What does it mean to be human? This individual does not understand how those in authority can do what they're doing, to not let them go into the sports teams that they want uh, and to live their truth. Because in a world where everyone makes their own truth, there's going to be you just can't live in a world like that where everyone does what is right in their own eyes pure chaos there has to be some foundational truth that a society embraces and agrees upon by which things are built you cannot have a society where there is no such thing as truth it's just everyone doing whatever they want and these policies are trying to protect what is true and to correct and to help those who are living in deception. But that's not how they interpret that. Because if you deny their truth, and if you do not allow them to recreate themselves in their own image, and to save themselves in a sense, and to die and to live a new life, if you don't allow that, you are going against their gospel, their false gospel. And that's just intolerable. That can't be that can't be allowed. And of course, this person says, you know, get to know, uh, learn. But how can we? How could anybody learn? Because the argument is, well, only those who are trans can truly know. So again, there's some contradiction there. And as Christians, we need to see the religious, uh, spiritual aspect of this and the false gospel that is being promoted. Okay, so that's enough for today. I do want to look more deeply into the ancient pagan religions, particularly the worship of Asherah and how it relates to the modern transgender movement. But we'll do that some other time. Uh, I really appreciate you tuning in today. If you have any questions, comments, or um, want me to cover some other topics related to this, please email me at thegbgpodcast at gmail.com or go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, look for Governed by God or Eric Leupold and message me there. Um, please share the show with a friend. Greatly appreciate it. Trying to get it out to as many people as possible. And so with that, I ask that you consider these things, pray about them, and think about how you would respond to these arguments and comments. That's what we have to do as Christians. We have to be prepared to answer these questions and to engage in spiritual warfare. So with that, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, take care. And-